If you are a healthcare business owner and a startup founder looking to level up and make an even bigger impact, it's important that you get intentional about your investments and resources. Today's episode takes a deep dive into the five simple steps to really maximize the return on investment for healthcare entrepreneurs who want to build out their dream business. Healthcare entrepreneurs and startup founders, are you ready to rewrite the rules for your business so you can have more time off, a great team, and more income while creating bigger social impact in healthcare? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to the Provider's Edge podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Rumbach. I'm a provider an international peak performance keynote speaker and a best-selling author. My guests and I help healthcare entrepreneurs like you control your business, control your life, and control your future. This is your defining moment to be a disruptor in healthcare. This episode is sponsored by Sabrina Rumbag LLC. As we know, here is the place to celebrate medicine and all the great work, how we support your community and creating innovations together. Therefore, I'm putting money in running this show and putting on the best speakers for you so we can all grow together. Hope you enjoy the show. Let's get started. So today we have exciting person that we invited and she is Carrie Cooper. She is the owner of Carrie Cooper Holistic Therapy in Northern New Jersey. Now, back home, we were talking about that. I grew up in New Jersey too. And her private practice is some practice that focusing on teenagers and work with them to get the best tool they need to navigate life. Carrie has been a practitioner for more than 20 years, and she owned her practice for about eight years. And she takes on a holistic approach to therapy, looking at the whole person, not just the symptoms. Carrie is author of the Mental Health Uncensored, 10 Foundations Every Parent Needs to Know, a book designed to give parents steps on how to improve them child's mental health. She is a speaker and writer who helps to educate teens and parents on topics of teens facing in everyday life. Thank you so much for joining us, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I definitely wanted to dive a little bit into your personal side and looking into your practice as well. So why become a counselor? What was the initial inspiration when you had before going into all this? I was very lucky from a very young age. I knew I wanted to be a therapist. And I really think it's because of what I saw in school growing up. You know, I had a lot of friends in high school who got in trouble a lot and they didn't really have someone to talk to. They didn't really have someone to help guide them. So I you know, knew from high school, I'm like, I think I could do better than what's out there right now. And I think I could be that person for these kids. So I was very fortunate. I knew what I wanted to do. I entered in college with a psych major, and then I went on to graduate school to become a therapist. 
And I mean, I always knew teens was my population. And right after graduate school, I mean, I just dove into the hardest population you could imagine. I was working residentials uh, with children. So those are children who are in really severe crisis and a lot of very severe mental health issues. And it was great training. It was a great experience. And that's how I started off in my journey. Yeah, it seems like you were really clear um, through the beginning part on who you really wanted to work with, which is very important that healthcare is big. We can all find our own place within this big field. However, to be able to find that one population, one type, and then even some people become super niched, right? Like for us in heart surgery, some people become super niched to just one type of surgery and versus others do everything from vascular, heart to lung, right? And I think that's how people stand out and best connect with what we are doing. So through your journey, I know you had a lot of experience in this field. Um, When was the time that you felt like, hey, I really needed to break out. I wanted to own my own practice. So as my personal life kind of developed and I got married and started having children, it was really with one of my kids. So I will never forget, she was around two or three years old and her tantrums were not typical tantrums. I mean, they were abnormal. She always had like a runny nose. She always had this nighttime cough, took her to every doctor, every specialist, no real answers, just, you know, band-aid fixes of put her on this. Maybe she's allergic to something. We don't know what. And finally, I pulled her off dairy after a friend suggested it and her behavior completely changed and nobody realized this. So then I thought to myself, how many kids have I been treating that potentially have an allergy to food and we just don't know it? So I started diving into the research um, and then I actually went back and got a certification in health coaching. And then I was at a point in my career where I didn't really fit neatly into the normal general practices for therapy. And I was like, I need to do my own thing. Like I'm not fitting in to anyone else's practice. So that's when I decided to open up my own business. And in the beginning, I still had really, really tiny children. So this was like a side gig. It was, you know, my husband would come home from work. I would go at night and just see a few clients, you know, maybe once a week. I remember doing my own website. My friend did my photos, like threw it up there and kind of hoped for the best. And I developed, you know, a following and I got busier and busier. And then when my youngest was about to go into kindergarten, I said, all right, I want to make this a full-time gig. Like I really want to dive in. And that's when I said, I need help. I am not good at everything. I brought in a business coach. I brought in an entire marketing team. I brought in a website designer, had real photos done. (laughs) And that's how I started building up my business. And it's been an amazing journey. Yeah, I think what you said very crucially is that in the beginning, I think anybody is in a stage of struggling, but you give in to that struggle because we justify, oh, since we're kind of doing a hustle, I still have other things I want to pay attention to. You, in your case, your son, maybe some other people is they still working full time. They're trying to branch out and that's okay. Just have the friend taking the photo, even though it doesn't look professional, at least we have something. Oh, we can build our own website. It's up anyway, right? And then, yes, it's not SEO. What does that SEO even mean? Right. And then then it's progression of you finally made the decision. And that's when it starts taking off because we know the value in having experts 
to guide us and really do the things that we're not never trained to do. And that's not our expertise, right? You are the expert in talking to children, looking into what other things that are causing them to be upset, to be not listening, to be not able to engage. And that's our core. That's our joy instead of doing all the everything else. And how did the interaction come about in the sense of um, one of the big things for practice owners is also letting go and to be able to feel like self-justify, oh, if I'm paying someone, if I'm hiring someone, they have to give me some kind of reward, right? So, and, and then how did that relationship and learning about that relationship go for you? I was very fortunate. I actually joined a group of business owners. It's all women business owners in my area. And we get together once a month and kind of just talk and talk about our struggles. And it's such a great support system. And they are the ones who are like, you need to hire other people. You can't do it all. It's not healthy for your well-being. It doesn't allow you to do what you love. You know, there's people out there who are experts in this and you have to be able to give up and, you know, that control and say, okay, somebody else needs to take this on. And I've done that. And I've seen the returns in my business. I mean, when I brought in a professional website, so many people started finding me through that professional website. You know, you really see, oh, this was worth it. So you have to invest in yourself. You have to invest in your business if you want it to grow. And it took me a while to realize that, especially because I'm a mom and this was kind of a side gig in the beginning. And there's some level of feeling bad about spending money on your own business. But once you realize like, no, it's worth it, then you really dive in. And even to this day, you know, I hate social media. I can't stand it. I don't understand it. I can't work it. I hire somebody to do that for me. I can't do it. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's the center point is we are needing to get to a point to say, I should be okay with to say, it's fine. I don't like it. It's fine. Someone take it over because I don't need to know everything. And just like Darren Hardy, some of the bigger names out there, we are always taught uh, surround ourselves, right? Even Henry Ford said this, surround yourself with the people that are smarter than us. And then they fill our gaps and we can stay in our lane and what we do and love the most. Remember one of the story, even Henry Ford, someone asked him about all these statistics about cars, the building. And he's like, give me a moment. Let me just call one of my engineer. And the person who asked him the question was proclaiming, how could you not know these? And Heron Ford said, why do I need to know all these when it can be done by a calculator or when I have resources? And it just in the sense of we can have so much more impact and the direct impact in the way that we want to do things, who we want to serve without bottlenecking our whole business or what do we feel like we ought to do, right? These obligations before we can even move forward. So I think that's amazing. So uh, since you hired, when was that in your business? How many years into it before you start hiring these business coaches, marketing coaches, and all the other people to support you? I was probably four years in. um, And that's when I decided it was the right time for me to really go big. And let's see what I can create. And that's when I started bringing people in. You know, I know that it's more beneficial to my clients for me to be spending my time really researching and learning more about the mental health side than researching and learning how to do my bookkeeping. Like that's not going to benefit them. (laughs) Exactly. 
I have to hire out people. It's what works best for me and for my clients. Right, right. Uh, that's the crucial thing. And and I'm not sure. Did you have? Do you have a team right now, or is more just you besides the it's experts? Just, it's more just me, and then I hire out whoever I need when I need. Great. So for people, um, for many of you who are listening, some of you are in the same boat, right? You are a solo practitioner and then you hire out either by contract or monthly these helps and technically all of those are your team and it's crucial to say how do I communicate better what do I need and the other day I just had a a long conversation with a friend and client on how come people we talk about it so clearly on the deadline and they're not giving me exactly what we talked about. And that's also is about setting expectation of thinking how things are supposed to be puzzled into each other and not feeling like someone is causing the delay. So I feel like that's a big topic that many people go through. As a healthcare entrepreneur and business owner, you can be a one-person team if you want to succeed in your professional and personal life. You cannot juggle everything and expect nothing to fall because after a while, something has to give. So what do you do? Build and hire your team. Whether you are a solopreneur who hires contractors on a as-need basis, or you run a team of full-time employees, investing in a good team is the key to greater efficiency, increased productivity, improved customer service, and even supplying a better client experience. And for all those people who already support you, who are your collaborating partners, they will see you as a true entrepreneur, someone who has not only an amazing social impact, a great idea and product and services to sell and to serve others, but also someone who got things together and then they are looking up to. So ensure your team is helping you get the best possible results. It's important to establish communicated expectations and set up clear deadlines on whether tasks need to be completed. Additionally, allocating workload among different members or delegating projects or tasks will also help manage timeline and keep your practice, your business running effectively. With a reliable team in place that you can rely on, you can rest assured there will always be someone dedicated to the progress of your business while freeing up your own time so that you can focus on what matters most. Caring for your clients and then truly live your life. Here's how to get started. Write down the vision of life and business you want. Have a strong hold on what you're working towards is the first step toward understanding what you do want to focus on and what you don't. Then creating tasks from your team will follow naturally after, especially in the beginning of each quarter is crucial to revisit your bigger aim, your projections, 
and then putting into quarterly planning and all the way break down to monthly and weekly to-dos and who's responsible for each. If you like today's episode, please share with your family and colleagues who are also healthcare leaders and entrepreneurs. They will appreciate you for supporting their professional lives. We don't ask you to pay us anything, but pay it forward. So spread the words. Now let's get back to the rest of our exciting show. And Carrie, would you say four years, that's yours, that's what you gone through, but not to say everyone need to wait for four years before they hire. Absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't want my business to grow really big, you know, at first, because again, I wanted to be home more. It was only when I got to a point where I said, okay, I want to expand. That's when I wanted to bring people in. And that could be day one of your business, or that could be year five. It doesn't matter. It's when you're ready to, to really take that next step. Right. And then that readiness is depending on your vision of your business and life. And we always have to think about everything is interconnected. We have to be really clear on what that looks like because we're constantly talking about what do you need to give up versus what do you need to gain, right? And technically we're not giving up anything. We're just shifting our attention on what we want in different moments of life. So as long as we're honest with ourselves, and I, I did a one of the talk for one of my podcast episodes as well. Um, we all are brilliant, right? We're really good at problem solving. But at the end of the day, how can you be a finisher, not just a starter? Now, always just feel like I can do all this. I start to discover, I start to forge some kind of path. But at the same time, we need to actually be able to be a finisher at the end of the row. So it's exciting that we have been seeing you and you continue on this journey. And I know you published a book, which is amazing. And be able to say, uh, being an author for, for me, have been involved in two books. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of putting thoughts on paper, making it cohesive and very engaging with people in different ways. So when did, how did that come about? What was the inspiration or things that kind of light up in your head to say, Hey, I want to publish a book. This is a good time now. Right. I think it's always been inside of me to write a book and then COVID hit. And for anybody who was, you know, working in the mental health field, COVID was an explosion of mental health. I have never been busier and I felt awful having to turn away people left and right. And I knew all my other therapist friends were doing the same thing. So I thought to myself, I need to get information out there for these parents to help with their child's mental health because they can't get into a therapist's office, many of them. And really for anybody, you know, our mental health is a massive crisis right now in this country. And then, yes, I had to hire people to say, okay, now who could format this book and who can get it out there? And it's published on Amazon. And that was my big COVID project. That's exciting. You turned to something that you saw the gap and you know it's one of the biggest issues you're seeing from your own collection of clients that they really need it. And how do you help them even on a bigger level is through a resource that they can read on their own. And then they can come back to you to discuss more instead of feeling like they have no resource. I think that's a really good point for other practitioners to think about. It's not necessarily you have to read a book. Um, coming onto a podcast, discussing different topics is one thing. And um, be able to share in a workshop or running an event 
then it's another. It all depends on what we do best and what we feel best. Um, Carrie's a speaker. You're used to being on camera, being on shows, and you also wrote a book. You're liking to write. So whichever other side of talents or come ease to us, that those are the other things we can totally explore um, when we're thinking about time efficiency, for sure. Yes. And for me, it's all about, you know, how, how do I help people? How can I help people on a larger scale? There's only one of me in my private practice. So I can only help so many people that way. So let me write a book. Let me, you know, help parents really understand how to bring up mentally healthy, you know, children and let me get out there and speak and be able to give people resources. Yeah. And are you running a, a, one-on-one clientele or group in-person virtual? How is your practice set up now? My practice is a little bit of a mix of everything. Um, It is, you know, one-on-one I do. And some people are virtual and some people are in-person. If you're looking to expand your business and reach more clients, start by considering the bigger picture. Instead of asking yourself, how do I grow my business faster? Ask yourself, how can I help people on a larger scale? To increase your impact and build an engaged audience, focus on solving a problem within your target market. What do they need help with? How can you make their life easier or better? Thinking along these lines will allow you to effectively market your services by tapping into the needs of others. Moreover, doing so can create powerful relationships and create fans for life. Customers who will appreciate and support your work well into the future. That also goes for all the high networking you have to do. Because the easiest way, as I always say in marketing, is finding those who already have a high level influence with the people that you want to support with to help you spread the words because they also love your idea and services and therefore their following will have an immediate trusting relationship with you. Yeah, do you see your virtual clients like all throughout the country? So due to restrictions on you know therapist license, I can only see people in the state of New Jersey. That's something I'm hoping changes. Uh, I know there is some legislation in the works because especially now with telemedicine and there's such a need for help, we need to be able to expand. We need to be able to see other people. Yeah, exactly. I am heavily involved in the digital health world now that we were just talking about before going on air that healthcare in itself, we can use technology to help us to reach more people and not only to offer telemedicine, but also understand why our patients don't come to us. Those gaps of weeks and months, we don't know what happened to them. So if we have no way to tracking their progress, then they're going to end up coming to us with 10 different problems instead of that one problem we left them with. Yes, 100%. So we have to be able to say technology is not fearful. It's actually going to help us. It's not to say having technology, we're hands off, but actually pro 
actively practicing preventative medicine by reaching out, right? Because nowadays everything has auto alerts, um, both sensors for the providers and on the patient side. So of course that can help us to bring people back to us and we can synchronize with our charting system. So you don't even have to think about where these data are coming and going. You can actually have better control. Then of course it's depend on whether you want to hire additional staff in your own practice or using virtual care teams to make those uh, initiatives um, so we don't actually labor our existing staff when we already kind of tapping out. Um, so yeah, it's amazing that what technology innovations has come about. I've been going to these tech uh, pitch competitions myself and watching other people. It's just very inspirational to be in medicine right now. I think we can see it as what's the new thing? What can we really leverage to connect with our patient to help them versus some other people can be totally opposite and they can be fearful. Um, oh no, then my liability is there. But if we constantly thinking in that fearful lack state, then we were never going to advance in medicine as how we should be. Absolutely. We really need to be able to utilize the benefit of telehealth at this point and be able to serve more people and serve them better. And it's all possible. Exactly. So for you, I know things are going great, but what could be one challenge that you wanted to say, if I have a magic wand, that would just go away? That's such a good question. Um, <laughs> I think with my business, you know, the, the biggest issue is just how many phone calls I get from clients and I want to return them all. And that's a very hard thing to do on a weekly basis. But I'm always like, but I don't necessarily want to hire somebody else to return the phone calls because they're calling for me. So that's something in my business that I continue to struggle with. And I'm not quite sure what the solution is to that yet. Mm, that's a good point because you're not the only one, right? Like any practices always have a lot of phone call comes in. Um, now, typically some practices can say you hire someone just triage at least um, to categorize people into the different level of urgency, just like what we do in uh, emergency situation. And then it prioritize the urgency of when that set of phone calls need to be returned or and also gave you some kind of idea what they're actually questions about instead of having that extra five minutes just to figure out what they want. And uh, there's so many different ideas. And there's also different people who has hired call centers to even just do the triage, type out specific note and send it to you. So plenty way to explore, but I totally understand you. When they reach out to you, they want to talk to you. Um, nice. Having someone in the front end could just be more effective in not having a lot of basic talk, but dive directly to the problem itself. And you've been doing amazing. I'm sure you can figure something out and I'm happy to explore more options with you too. Um, now, I'm so excited for you because you've been growing this for a while now. You've you seen the hurdles of doing it yourself, um, being able to spend more time with your son when he starts going to school, knowing it's time to grow, right? You start seeing clear vision and you're taking off. You're making great connections for different moms groups and word of mouth come back that way because it's strategic connection, right? With the audience that you really want to 
want to be with the teens. Um, of course, the best reach out is moms. And then now it's at a place that you publish book, you want to help more people, uh, diversifying how you wanted to practice and really leveraging telemedicine into the next phase. So what's next? I think next is book number two, which is being worked on right now. Book number two is going to be based on this book, but it's going to be an actual workbook for teens. Mm. So I'm very excited about that. And I think the next is really more speaking engagements and being able to educate more parents. Right, right. I think that's a great way, right? Like you start having a book, The Foundation of Knowledge, and then we know having knowledge is now power, it's just potential power until you use it. And until you use it correctly. And so use the correctly part sometimes does need to take some mental fitness challenge. And then, but how you use that, you're creating the second book and work through their problems. So it's not just reading and learning it. Now they become more practical and then application-based. So that's great. And yes, speaking with more parents. And uh, I hope you're having a team to help you do the outreach to find these groups. Yes. And uh, New Jersey is very dense. Uh, growing up in central Jersey, I was actually in Burger County when I was a little, and then we moved to Middlesex County. So New Jersey is definitely very dense population, plenty of helps and great schools that you can connect with. And I'm very excited to see the progress you're going. So how can people reach out to you from our community of practice leaders and owners who might be interested in your work, either refer patients to you or have a chat, whatnot? Uh, my website's probably the easiest way. It's Kerry, K-E-R-I, Cooper, Holistic Therapy. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at Kerry Cooper Holistic Therapy. Perfect. And I usually was my because I always like to end like this. So we have to think about our patient in different ways. And then especially you practice holistically. I also like to see our speakers, how are we living in that holistic life? And so when we think about all the crucial component of life, I broke them down to 10 different categories from physical health, mental fitness, spirituality, career advancement, financial intelligence, family support, social support, your personal character, your own growth, your personal mission, and then life mission as a whole. So when you think about all 10 categories, which ones do you feel like are your best ones and which ones you feel like, oh, I can definitely optimize them even more? I think that overall, a lot of the categories, you know, I hit pretty well because I'm a big believer in self-care. I'm a big believer in making sure that I'm taking care of me because if I don't take care of me, I can't take care of anybody else. So I'm good with, you know, exercising every day. I'm good with, you know, eating really well every day and staying hydrated and doing my yoga. I definitely need to fit in more meditation. I think that's so important and so crucial. And in the summer, it's especially hard for me because the schedule is not always the same day to day. So it's harder to plan. Um, During the school year, it's much easier. Yeah, I, you're right on. There are many, even my clients who say like, oh, we love to meditate. If only I just have an extra 20 minutes. And then uh, I also challenge them to say, 
actually what I call that is a mini mental vacation. It can be done even within two to three minutes if you allow yourself to neuro-remodulate. And that can be as effective. So um, it is a challenge when we like to be in a routine and things is easy to come to us. But then when day-to-day summertime, when it changes, we just have to be more conscious about fitting those tiny moments to allow ourselves to have it. Um, I so appreciate you for chatting with us and for inspiring other practitioners to think about the possibilities of uh, being a parent, being able to still get started and get going and then give yourself the time to say, when I'm ready, I can go full on. And it's not to say when I'm ready, die higher. It's about I'm allowing myself to invest in myself, in my business, so I can truly grow without feeling the labor of always on top of business, but truly serve at the end of the day for our patients. So I appreciate everything that you have shared with us today. And uh, I'm sure that our listeners have really enjoyed your talk and definitely reach out to Carrie, everyone. Thank you so much. In today's episode, we discuss the five simple steps to grow your business and your impact. If you're stay tuned this episode, more likely you are looking to shift something around in the way that you do business in order to create a different life for yourself. To recap, number one, invest in your business and delegate what you can by strategically dedicating a portion of your resources to creating or building up existing services, you'll find yourself on the path toward business growth and success. A great way to ensure efficiency while investing in your healthcare entrepreneurship and startup is dedicating tasks to someone else who has the skills that's outside of your core competency. Making sure to leverage the freelancers, professional services providers, or other small businesses can free up much-needed time for business owners like you to focus on the facets of your own startup that require more attention, allowing for greater success in the long run. Number two, when looking to grow, don't forget to focus on the impact. It's easy to hit a brick wall when you are buried in the minutiae of daily tasks, responsibilities, and revenue numbers. While well, these are important for running a business, growing a startup requires understanding the big picture. You started your business to help others. Make sure you remind yourself of that when writing out your goals and figuring out how to actually achieve them. What does that helping mean? What's that true end result and impact you want to create? Number three, be clear on the vision you have for the life and business you want. Without clarity of the end goal, it will be difficult to navigate what steps need to be taken in order to make progress towards success. After all, you can't get to your destination if you don't know where you're heading, right? If you find yourself in a place where you're not sure what else to do to grow your private practice, then it's time to remind yourself of where you really want to go. 
Number four, don't hesitate to seek help from collaborators, strategic partners, and coaches. It can be difficult to make all of that decision in your business on your own, and that's why it's never a bad idea to reach out for guidance. Seeking assistance requires courage, but it will ultimately help propel you forward with confidence and clarity. So don't hesitate. It's important to surround yourself with people who can provide objective insight and constructive feedback that can shape your business journey. Number five, we must remember the old saying: If you don't take care of yourself, you don't take care of anyone else. Self-care is essential for us to achieve our fullest potential in our professional and personal lives. We need to make sure that we set aside time for ourselves every day, even if it's just a few minutes devoted exclusively to relaxation and de-stressing. Our mental and physical health are integral to our success, both in our business and life. If we don't prioritize taking care of ourselves, then we don't have the energy or the right mindset. To truly take care of those around us, so take the time to nourish yourself with activities that light you up and make you feel more connected with your passion, a healthier, calmer, and more balanced you. I hope you like today's episode. If you're listening to me right now, Atar. You're frustrated by how healthcare businesses are running today. I'm with you. I'm looking to change the conversation that we are having in the healthcare industry. It starts with me, and it starts with you. I want to connect with you and get to know your struggles and success within the healthcare industry. Visit sabrinaroundback.com/connect, where you can send me a direct message. She really gets the conversation. She understands. She's an incredible listener. We were talking about worthiness, and she really understands the concept of it, how it affects people in their businesses, in their clinics, in in their daily life, in their relationships. So I just want to encourage you to one listen to our show, but to jump on board and start listening to this woman because she has so much insight and wisdom that you don't want to miss out. So come to sabrinarunback.com/connect and let's continue the conversation.